Now, before this episode of Let's Get Two, I want to get one thing straight. I did not have baseball relations with that possum. Welcome to Let's Get Two, your tour of America through the lens of minor league baseball. Baseball from sea to shining sea. And now, the first pitch. Opening thoughts from James Christopher. Presented by BaseballMapper.com. And welcome to Let's Get To. I am your host, James Christopher, and we're going to get right back out to Little Rock, Arkansas, home of your Arkansas Travelers. But we do have some really cool and I think exciting breaking news. Not really breaking, breaking, but I think it's something that's definitely worth talking about. And no, I'm not talking about the passing of a British monarch. I was told on July 4th, 1776, I didn't have to care about that stuff anymore. I kid, I joke, obviously a very impressive figure, but this is not about Queen Elizabeth. Last week, minor league baseball players voted with, I think, over 50% so far to join the Major League Baseball's Players Association. Now, obviously, there is a lot of things to figure out, ramifications, how it will all work, how will it affect the... The world of minor league baseball. But to me, as someone who's been following and, and just been doing our, our best, our humble best to spread the word on the plight of minor league baseball players, I think this is tremendously exciting. And I'm very excited for the players now who actually will get some representation. In our third, second or third season, we had a, a minor league baseball player on pitcher who talked about five people living in a two bedroom apartment. And to me, just that kind of thing seemed off. It seemed like a waste of resource that you put into drafting this player and developing this player. And admittedly, we have seen progress toward compensation and living situation. And I think this is just another good step on the way to getting these players, frankly, paid what they deserve. So very excited to see them joining the Players Union. I hope that everything goes and they're able to join it and become full members and have a full voice in this. And again, lots to see, lots to see how this shapes up. But again, I don't think we can escape the fact that this is a really exciting period and something that really and truly has been a long time coming. From the Bleachers, the Let's Get To Game of the Week. And welcome back to From the Bleachers, but we're not coming to you from the bleachers. We're coming to you from across the Arkansas River from Dickie Stevens Park, home of your Arkansas Travelers and guys. Because y'all are such loyal fans of Let's Get Two, I'm going to let you in on the best kept secret in minor league baseball. Shh. Okay, first, let's get this out of the way. I met Dizzy the dog. He pretty much lives at Dickie Stevens Park. He gives fist bumps. He barked at Scott, and he is one of the best good boys ever. He's a hit. Everyone loves him. He literally walks around the stadium all through the game. And I personally was smitten. All right, that's my crazy dog moment. It's out of the way, except here's one more. So if you're watching the show, here's a pic of my dogs because look at these two handsome fellas. But back to the job at hand, the Arkansas Travelers. The Travs are Little Rock's hometown team. In a rich baseball town, they are the center of its orbit. And as we'll discuss, they are the longest standing member of the Texas League and, fun fact, they are the team with the third oldest nickname. Only the Indianapolis Indians and the Buffalo Bisons are older. There you go, that is your maybe you can win some bar trivia fact of the week. 
Baseball history is rich in Little Rock. It's so thick that you have to wipe it away from your face. We visited Lamar Porter Boys Club Field, where Central Catholic currently plays, and where our own Scott McIntyre spent many a summer day and night playing the greatest game ever invented. The trip was very much a homecoming for him, and I was really excited to look at the town through his eyes. Then we had to swing by where Ray Winder Field once stood. The early home of the Travelers, the ballpark is gone now, but in the most epic appreciation of nostalgia, the scoreboard remains. You see, like many teams in the sport, at some point, a new stadium was needed. But unlike the sad reality of some minor league towns, looking at you, New Orleans, this team didn't leave the state. The citizenry got together with some local businesses and Dickie Stevens Park was born and the travelers remained in the Little Rock area. We walked the bridge over the Arkansas River, seeing the ballpark slowly appear with each step. It brought the kind of anticipation that reminded me why I love this game and why I do the show. New, at least new to me, ballparks always make me giddy. For decades, the travelers have repped the city of Little Rock and the surrounding area with class and aplomb. It's as classy and classic an organization as it gets in the sport, a representative of the state of Arkansas in the truest sense. In fact, the name Travelers comes from the famous song, The Arkansas Traveler. Now our day at Dickie Stevens couldn't have been better. It had cooled off a bit, the sun was shining, and the sky was a perfect shade of blue. The ballpark is immaculate. It doesn't show any of its age. It looks brand new, not 15 years old. It's a 360-degree ballpark, which means Jess Canaster, member of our team, this is a ballpark to him. That's his main criteria. It's easily walkable to enjoy all the vantage points. And beyond the walls is an urban landscape offering plenty of pre-game or post-game bars and restaurants to choose from. And a large video board advertised that it is, in fact, Paw Patrol night. And the concourse is also symmetrical. And as we learned a few episodes ago, that matters to me for some reason. The design of the park features a train theme that represents the area so well. From the clock tower on top to the name of the eateries, it's really well done and stands as the best designed train themed park that we've seen. And trust me, there are more than a few. The ballpark has several cool features. The inverted wall and the basket where homers go to die reminds me of the outfield in Wrigley. It's pretty unique that I'm making it our Scotty Max Dimension Porn of the Week. As we've said numerous times on this show, baseball has one foot in the present, one foot in the past. Scattered throughout the ballpark, you can find old school metal seats from old Ray Winder Field. The romantic in me loves the idea that Scott was sitting in seats he might have sat in as a kid. And the fans are so into the environment here, proving why this team will remain a fixture in Little Rock for years to come. I even spotted an Astros fan, which was super cool, even though he's wearing the one bad Astros design combination. We met a couple with jerseys pronouncing that they'd been together since 1993. Now, after realizing that that was a year before I graduated high school, and yes, I am old, I came to the conclusion that Jess and I need something like that because honestly, it was like looking in our futures. And the future is bright. You've got Odie the Possum keeping the crowd going, Lance getting it done with all the energy, and he was so nice and genuine to me in person. And guys, a live, that's right, a live organist. I was fascinating watching him play. I kept muttering to myself, and I think he actually dug the fact that I became his biggest fan. And theme nights rule minor league baseball and the Paw Patrol puppies were out in force taking pictures with kids. It was the longest line ever. But I'll be honest, and this might come as sacrilege to some of my friends. I had the best corn dog I've ever had in my life. Even better than Fletcher's at the state fair. Though to be fair, I didn't have to think about losing to OU while eating one. So I'm sure that affected my experience. The whole thing wrapped in one baseball package felt like I was in baseball's ultimate hometown. It's a good-sized city with much to see and do before and after the game. It's a classic team with the history so deep you can really sink your teeth in. 
a great ballpark bringing energy on and off the field. But what really makes it work? What will the theme of the rest of this episode be? It's the people. This was the most polite ballpark we've ever been in. Everyone from the GM to the ushers greeted us warmly with a smile and were eager to help. One usher, Randall, told us to leave the gear bags by him. He watched our stuff so we could move around the ballpark easier. It's a far cry from some of the other ballpark staffs who look at us with suspicion, watching us like we're teenagers and we might try to steal the mascot's wallet. In Arkansas, I felt welcome. And as we focus on my goal to see 50 teams in 50 states, it's time to turn Arkansas from navy to rainbow and add the travelers to the map. And it's bittersweet because it means a minimum of a year before I get to do all of this again. We met so many great people. We connected with Travs and Let's Get Two fan Stephen Preston, who was about the nicest guy ever. To sum it all up, it was perfect. And again, I met Dizzy who, well, just look at him. And so we walked away, catching a beautiful shot of the park from the center of the Arkansas River. To our right, city lights reflecting on the water, and straight ahead, baseball paradise. You might say the Arkansas travelers washed over us like the big bucket of water that drenches the kids in the outfield. Well done, Travs. You really made this baseball traveler's day. St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' names. Who's on first? The Let's Get Two team of the week. The guy on first base. Presented by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, who is on first? I'm asking you who's on and we are super excited to welcome Stephen Davis, voice of your Arkansas Travelers, to continue to put a bow on what was an amazing uh, ballpark experience. Stephen, first of all, how's everything going? I know you had a road trip, and now you're back. How was all that? Oh, it's great. You know, uh, we do this every day for a reason. Uh, it's fun. Uh, the baseball part of it's great. The the, the off the field stuff is awesome as well. Uh, the road trips in our league, we're pretty spoiled. Uh, we, we don't have too many really long trips. Nothing's too miserable. And the places we go are all great. So uh, anytime we hit the road, it's awesome. But then it's always good to get back home too and uh, back to some friendly surroundings. It, and, and I don't know, I don't know how much time you get to really enjoy where you're going, but you're absolutely right. Like San Antonio is very different than Corpus. Frisco is very different than that. Amarillo is very different that you really do get to see a lot of different stuff and not be all that far away. Yeah, absolutely. And San Antonio, I never feel like we're really in San Antonio because we don't stay downtown. We're way out by SeaWorld and the Army base or the Air Force base. Uh, Corpus Christi is the one place in our league I feel like is different because you're on the water. It, it just the smell is different when you get off the bus. You smell the, the, the salty air. Uh, a lot of the other places, you know, very landlocked, very hot uh, for most of the <laughs> summer, but you yeah. get used to it. But Tulsa's one city, you know, Wichita is a different kind of city. Springfield's different, especially when we were there last week with the uh, school starting up for Missouri State and the, the university being right there by the ballpark and downtown. You get more of a college town feel. So we get some different stuff in this league, but they're all awesome and uh, all unique. And I really do enjoy going to all the cities in the, in the Texas League. We need to have you on this episode I'm going to have next year called How Do We Fix San Antonio Baseball? But that's going to be a whole other oh, thing. Well, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get this thing figured out. Uh, one of the things I wanted to, t- to ask you about first is how you got into broadcasting. And I do this selfishly because I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to be a guest speaker in my media and broadcasting class that I teach. So after the season's done, we'll we'll figure out a time. But a lot of these kids are very excited about it, want to do it, but don't know where to start. Right. Uh, Getting started is usually the hardest part with anything. And for broadcasting, for me, it was something my dad did. Uh, He was a longtime broadcaster at the the college and professional level. And it was not something I ever thought I would do, but I grew up with it. I was an only child. I would broadcast, you know, when I was playing video games, I'd throw calls in there. When I was playing basketball by myself in the backyard, it was a five on five game. And I'm doing the play by play of that. I never thought it was what I would do. I was doing everything else you could imagine to try to be involved in sports going through school. And then about a year before I was going to graduate college, I was sitting there going, man, I'm going to get a degree in American studies. What am I going to do for a job? And I distinctly remember I was working a basketball camp 
and thinking, I really don't want to be doing basketball stuff in the summer. I want to be doing baseball. And I grew up uh, about an hour from Kansas City. I'm like, I want to be over at Kauffman Stadium tonight watching, at the time, the worst team in the American League. The Royals had the worst record in the AL that year. And I'm like, so if I want to be doing that in the summer and basketball and other stuff in their seasons, what do I do? I was like, well, how can I be involved in multiple sports? I've always told my dad broadcasting was easy, so I'll give that a try. So talk to a couple people. My dad goes, hey, I'm not going to help you. Talk to this guy. Talk to this guy. They all said, hey, make a tape. So literally sit down, record a couple Royals games. They're awful. Sent them off to a couple places. Ended up getting a job with the Royals rookie ball team in Idaho Falls. Okay. And three summers out in the Pioneer League, uh, calling the road games and doing PA and game production stuff on the home games and just learning the ropes of working for a minor league team, working in the business. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it, kind of fell in love with the operation of being part of the team, being the broadcaster and that part of it, but also minor league baseball and everything that goes into it. And then was fortunate enough after three years to, to get in with the Royals double-A club when they moved from Wichita, Kansas to Springdale, Arkansas. So uh, made a big jump there, and that kind of turned things a different way and opened up a whole new world uh, into the Texas League and being closer to home again and uh, really fell in love with what goes on here and kind of became ingrained in this league and uh, everything that went on with that. And, you know, in the offseason, you find some football, you find some basketball. But my biggest piece of advice for anybody getting into this is just do it. Find work anywhere you can. Try everything. Try every sport. Try every role. You don't know what you might like. I worked in the production truck. Um, okay. TV games in college. You know, there's great jobs in there. Absolutely wonderful jobs. Uh, guys that are really talented at what they do. Uh, try the, the off-camera stuff. Try the on-camera stuff. Try everything. Try every sport. You never know what you're going to like, what you might fall in love with, because there's plenty of jobs out there, and we need good people in them. That's awesome. And like I said, you're on the spot. We'll figure out when you're going to come on to, to talk to these kids. All right. Uh, one of the cool things about our trip to Arkansas to Little Rock, one, I'd never been and was just really blown away by it not being the city I kind of thought it was. Like, uh, you know, in Texas, there's a rivalry thing. We have our opinions about everywhere. Beautiful city. But going with Scott McIntyre, who grew up there, played baseball there. Talk to me a little bit about just the baseball history is so rich in that town. Well, particularly the travelers who have been around since 1901. Uh, not many cities in the country can claim a minor league franchise for that long. Every city has a great baseball history of its own, but Little Rock is the major city in the state. So there, there were town teams and there were some other minor league teams that were in smaller venues, but Little Rock's always been the epicenter and with Travelers having the major professional franchise now for well over 100 years, uh, you get that ingrained in people's minds, not just within the city limits, but a little bit outside as well. Uh, it's the state's team. In fact, the Travelers were the first professional sports franchise named for an entire state mm. when they switched from being the Little Rock Travelers to the Arkansas Travelers in the 1950s. So you get that sense there. But yeah, this city loves baseball. Uh, I, I think it's something, you know, a lot of folks in this area, Cardinals fans because of the radio okay, signal yeah. and that happened all around the area, but you get that uh, influence in there along with, you know, great amateur baseball. It's warm enough. You can play almost year round and shoot an hour down the road in hot Springs. That was the birthplace of baseball spring training. Essentially uh, teams would send their guys there in the twenties and thirties. You know, Babe Ruth still has the longest home run in Hot Springs history. Oh, wow. Okay. 500 feet. They, know that. they have a rich baseball history there. So this area in general just loves baseball. High school baseball is big here. College baseball is big in this state and obviously professional baseball as well. So I think the love of just the game feeds into it here in the city. Yeah. One of the places we visited was where Central Catholic plays their games, that, that boys area field. I mean, it was just, again, really, really cool. One of the things I also noticed at the ballpark was the the fans into all levels of it. And I mean, it, it almost like you talked about being a Cardinals affiliate for a while. It felt like almost like as educated a fan base as the St. Louis Cardinals are. How cool is that to work for a club where you can actually count on a people being there and people being invested? Yeah, we have season ticket holders that have been decade-long season ticket holders with the Travs who remember guys from the 1980s as well as guys who played here last year. 
Uh, it, it's pretty fascinating. But, you know, we also have folks who just come out to enjoy the atmosphere, be it a game, have a place to hang out, and the sporting event is secondary. Uh, it, it's minor league baseball in general, but we like to say it that there's something for everybody here. But from the baseball perspective, it, it really is unique, and, and I consider it really special, and I'm honored to work for a, a franchise where baseball is such a big part of it and, and is still the centerpiece of it. And that's a big deal. And part of it is it's the geography of it, too. Being a minor league team, a lot of times you're close to your big league affiliate and folks pay more attention to the big league team. You know, uh, when this was a Cardinals affiliate or to use Springfield, for an example, you know, the, the St. Louis game is a bigger deal a lot of nights to folks at the right. Springfield Cardinal games than the own game they're watching. But here, because Seattle's so far removed or the Angels who were here before, because they're so far removed and playing later at night, even a lot of the time. They kind of care, and you pay attention to your guys that go up there, but folks here care about the Travelers winning games. Uh, yes, they want these guys to get better and develop and get to the big leagues, but the Travs winning games is a big deal, and folks do care about what goes on on the baseball field, and it, it really is a fun atmosphere because of that. One of the things that we cover in the show and kind of the theme is minor league baseball is a big umbrella, and I think there's lots of ways to do it. Uh, I think the only teams that I think don't do it correctly, correctly are – teams that still use the name of their parent club. Arkansas is a very classic brand, a very traditional brand, which I think we need a lot of that. But what does it say about the sport that you can have the Arkansas travelers who are over a hundred years old in the same sport as the rocket city trash pandas? Like there seems to be room for everybody. Yeah. It feels weird when you get a franchise like ours, you know, the Arkansas travelers stately been around forever. feels like the columns in front of the Southern buildings that you'll find in Little Rock and other cities. And then we go play the Amarillo Sod Poodles. And it feels right. like, you know, you're going to a, a country rodeo where guys are in bright colored chaps. It, 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 the things don't always mix on the surface, but yet it's the same deal. I think it's awesome. Uh, like I said, there's something for everybody in this. And, you know, it's one thing to be a franchise that's been around over 100 years, but you're still trying to attract new fans as yeah. well. So we're always trying to stay up to date and keep things going from that direction as well. And, you know, for a place like Amarillo, they're trying to connect with their history also. So uh, it's unique. It's fun. Uh, I love it. The, the history part of this is really fascinating for me. I've always been enamored with history in anything, but especially in baseball. Uh, it's to me what makes this game unique as compared to professional basketball or professional football. Right. Because there is such a rich depth of history that goes back well over 150 years now. And to work for one of those most historic franchises and to help grow that franchise is uh, it's pretty awesome. One of the things that I thought, you know, I have a, one last question after this comment, but I just thought it was so cool because you got these very traditional brands, but then you guys ran away with that Copa look, the Diamantes de Arkansas. So you really can't have the best of both worlds. You can have this very classic look, the sort of Yankees of minor league baseball almost, and then you can have a little fun with some red and green jerseys. It's It's a really good mix. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you got to find your niche and see where it works and going the traditional route is great. But at the same time, we're also trying to grow the game, both in terms of the actual game, but also the fan base. Just keep folks interested, get them to the ballpark, let them have a good time and whatever that takes. You know, uh, we're willing to entertain it and do it. And Copa de la Diversión is a big part of that, uh, trying to reach out to the Latin fan base in all these cities for minor league baseball. But so are some of the other promotions we do, whether it's a, a specialty jersey night. Uh, you, know, you guys were here for Paw Patrol and got to see those. So uh, there's always something going on and new ideas always in the hopper to see what might be coming next. Last time, uh, last question before we do our, we do our fun little random stuff. But you talked a little bit about the hook slide bar, which I thought, again, one of the things I loved about it was you took a team legend or a team sort of tradition, and you built it into the actual fabric of the club with the ballpark. Talk to me a little bit about the hook slide beer garden and where that came from. Yeah, so you're going to have a beer garden at most ballparks. When they built Dickey Stevens Park for, for 2007, they were going to have a beer garden on the, the right field side. At the old ballpark at Ray Winder Field, beer garden was on the third base side, and you know you called him a team legend. Well, he was a self-created team legend. He wasn't affiliated with the team at all, but – a fan who went by the name of Hook Slide uh, go into the ballpark and every night uh, to, to get a, a beer from the fans, uh, they would start chanting Hook Slide to get him to do his trademark thing, which was to take a crushed popcorn box and he'd toss it out on the cement down in the beer garden like a base and everybody would start chanting Hook Slide, Hook Slide, and he would take off running and go hook sliding into the deflated popcorn box like it was second base or something 
everybody would go crazy and folks would buy him a beer for that. And he'd do it two, three, four times a night, whatever he wanted to do. Uh, and it became part of the fabric of the travelers. And we like to refer to this as Trav's family around here, the, the front office, uh, the fans and the players that come in every year. But uh, Hook Slide was part of that family back at, the, at Ray Winder Field. And it only seemed natural to, to name something for him here when they moved the ballpark uh, across the river to North Little Rock and built the brand new facility. I, again, I think that was one of my favorite parts. All right, clear your head. You ready to play a little pepper? Uh, well, we'll give it a shot here. We'll do our best. All right. Uh, go-to ballpark food. Uh, I always start with nachos, which is crazy because I'm a weirdo who doesn't like cheese on sandwiches or things like that. But uh, go to the basic nachos and go from there. Maybe get something on them. Not not jalapenos or anything. Okay. Uh, but start with, start with the chips and cheese, and uh, we go from nachos and, and move from there. I did fully admit that the best corn dog I've ever had was at the ballpark, which is going to make all my Longhorn brethren saying it's better than the Texas State Fair, but it was delicious. Hand battered, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, it was. It, I I am, I was enamored. I had to. We can talk there about why go. I'm fat later. Um, Marvel <laughs> in D.C. Marvel or D.C.? Uh, so I grew up with D.C. Uh, Superman, Batman had the action figures. They were the dominant characters when I was a kid. My kids now are into Marvel. They're watching all the movies and they're talking to me about it. I'm like, guys, I haven't seen these. You're going to have to like sit down and watch them with me and walk me through them. And they just love those. So, uh, you know, I've watched the, some of the new DC movies now. I'm kind of torn. Can, can I say both a little bit? Because I really don't have the Marvel experience, but I definitely want to get it with my kids. Absolutely. You can say both. I would I would as well. Dogs or cats? Uh, I'm going to lean dogs now. I had a cat growing up. Loved the cat. Uh, she didn't go outside, but, you know, she was my friend. But now I've got a dog. When you got a family, having a dog around, uh, it's a unique experience, but a fun one. Uh, and, and having seen now bark at the ballpark a lot of nights, uh, yeah. almost on a weekly basis, it seems like, it really is cool to be able to bring your dog to the ballpark. I know a few teams have tried uh, cats at ballparks. I don't know how well that works. but Yeah, Omaha uh, had the take me dogs, out to the ball, ball game. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll lean dogs, but I don't think you can go wrong with either one. It, yeah. It's nice to have a, a pet at home to love you. I've got a hundred pound German shepherd under my desk. I bring him to school every now and again. And I got to meet Dizzy out there. I mean, that was a big deal for me. Um, yes. All right. So outside of the travelers, then what is your favorite brand in minor league baseball? Favorite brand in minor league baseball. Well, I mentioned earlier, I'm into history. I'm a quote unquote traditionalist, if you will, especially when it comes to names. So give me the historic names. Give me the Buffalo Bisons. Give me the Toledo Mud Hens. Uh, give me the ones that have been around uh, 100 plus years and stood withstood the test of time and are still going strong. I couldn't agree more. The Bisons is very high on my bucket list. Uh, Toledo as well, actually. All right. What is the uh, first time baseball broke your heart? Oh, boy. First time baseball broke my heart. It's a great question. I, mean, I just grew up you know, enjoying the game and collecting baseball cards. I think the first time I consciously remember it, though, would be the 1994 strike. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. just old enough to understand what was going on, but not quite old enough to get the full gravity of the situation and all the details that went into it and why the players felt it was necessary to do that and why the owners felt it was necessary to stand their ground. I was just bummed out that there wasn't going to be the end of the season and then there was no playoffs and no World Series and I, I grew up, like I said earlier, an hour from Kansas City, Royals fan, and the Royals were having a really good year in 1994. Hadn't been to the playoffs since they won the championship in 85, and it was a, becoming a three-team race in the, the new AL Central that year, uh, with the new divisions <laughs> yeah. in 94. And I, I distinctly remember thinking, like, well, I know the Royals have said they don't want to go on strike, but feel like they have to. What if they show up at the ballpark and the other teams don't? Uh, do they get wins and the Royals become champions? Well, no, obviously they didn't, so... Uh, that's the first time I would say baseball broke my heart. 1994 strike. When there is no baseball, that's the worst. Yeah. It's a, it's also interesting. I was thinking about this. I was a, I think a junior in high school when it happened, and I was wearing the obnoxious T-shirt that said, we'll play for food. How much you don't really understand until you get older and you're like, actually, they were probably right to be doing what they needed to do. It's always interesting how your perspective can change. Right. You um, sit there and go, yeah, I see your side and I see your yeah. side. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad I'm not caught in the middle of this, except absolutely. in baseball, we kind of are at times. Absolutely. All right. What's the weirdest thing you've seen at a ballpark? Oh, boy. Weirdest thing at a ballpark. Seen a lot of weird baseball things. 
Uh, seen some off the field things that were a little weird at ballparks, but I think the most unique and weirdest thing and the one that always pops to mind uh, back when I worked for Northwest Arkansas and, and back to the topic of dogs, we would do an adoptable dog of the game. Uh, a local shelter would bring out an animal and we'd you know, get a video shot of it down on the field and then have it up on the concourse for a couple innings where folks could meet it and possibly start the process of getting it adopted to take home. Well, of course, one night the uh, adoptable dog of the game got off its leash and ran around in center field between innings delaying the game for four, five, six minutes. And, of course, the dog's in a giant field of grass, well-trained dog, and decided it needed to go and uh, take care of its business in the middle of center field. So players weren't chasing the dog, but the center fielder's about 10 feet away going, uh, I'm just going to let you do your thing. And they finally got out there and got the dog. But, yeah, a uh, dog taking care of its business uh, in the middle of an inning out in center field, probably the most unique thing I've seen. I'm actually going to applaud the dog. As a kid who was a shy peer at the Astrodome because it was the trough, I'm all about a dog that can do its business in front of 7,000 people. Why not? Yeah, um, all right. Care. Kevin Costner is a ball player or cowboy? A uh, ball player. Uh, he's a good cowboy, but, man, he's an awesome ball player. And think how many different roles it's been. You know, We say Field of Dreams is a baseball movie with Kevin Costner, but he wasn't really a ball player in yeah. that movie. He was a farmer uh, who hung out with ball players i guess they were alive we never really found out about that i think we need a field of dreams too is what we need now at we, this point but bull durham fantastic i mean crash davis as believable a character in minor league baseball as there could be for love of the game is one of the most underrated movies in my opinion i completely love agree on that one Apple is fantastic it might be john c Riley's last serious role i don't know but uh, uh costner as billy chapel i think is just outstanding the way he develops that character Baseball-wise, but also off the field. And, uh, the, you know, to be able to be a catcher and pull that off, both with the work behind the plate in those scenes and batting, and then to do the pitching stuff as well and make that believable, he's doing everything as a ball player. It's almost like he's Shohei Otani, except he also catches. Yeah, where you at, Shohei? Um, try harder next time. Yeah, no, I, and of course, uh, Augie Garrido, Longhorn baseball coach, in for love of the game, you can't go Absolutely. wrong there. All right, last question then. It's getting a little chilly in Little Rock. It's sometime around February or wherever you're hail on the offseason. What is your go-to baseball movie? Uh, For Love of the Games up there, Field of Dreams, Nostalgic, Sandlot's always a classic. But for me, when I need to get fired up or when I want a little laugh or something, it's Major League. Uh, There's there's something about Lou Brown uh, and the way he brings that group together. Willie Mays, Hayes, Jake Taylor. Uh, Ricky Vaughn's just an accessory for me in that movie. He's just like the like the crazy uncle that comes in. I know a lot of folks just love it because of Wild Thing, but Roger Dorn to me is is one of the great characters yeah. of all time in Major League One. Uh, Major League Two started to drift a little bit. I'm not even sure if I, I, I've seen it all the way through, honestly. Uh, but Major League One is an absolute classic, and I, I try to watch it at least once a year early in the season, if nothing else. I'm with you. It's in my top two. Um, I don't like Major League Two. I did like Major League Three mostly because it's focused on the minor leagues and it had the guy from Quantum Leap, so I was I was kind of in. But yeah, yeah, that was as that was as far as it went for me. All right, he is Stephen Davis, voice of your Arkansas Travelers. Thanks so much for again being on Let's Get Two and one of the best ballpark experiences we've had in the show's history. So thank you for that as well. Well, we're glad you guys enjoyed it. We were honored to have you here, and I uh, hope you can come back sometime. St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' names. Who's on first? The Let's Get To Team of the Week. The guy on first base. Presented by the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, who is on first? I'm asking you who's on and we are super excited as we continue talking about our amazing night at the Arkansas Travelers. We've got Sophie Osier, the GM of the Travs, on the show. Sophie, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm great. We had a. We'll get into the amazing time we had. It was really one of the. It was one of the most pure baseball experiences I've had on this summer, and I just a lot of that's due to you. And so, thank you so much for that experience. Oh, I'm glad you had a good experience. We were closing out a very long homestand. So <laughs> I could tell and it, I, it, well, I could I could tell in the sense that you had a 40 percent off sale in the store. And I was like, 
I don't know why that is, but I was excited about it. But no, (laughs) from top to bottom, everyone was so nice and welcoming. Um, You know, sometimes with the show, it's, it can be a little, people don't always know what we're doing there. And I always felt like rather than like when you're up in the Northeast, they start yelling at you. They were at least, it was pretty, it was nice. So Um, (laughs) but tell me a little bit about you. I mean, how did you go from someone who I presume like sports, like baseball, and now you're the front office of, in the general manager of the longest continuing member of the Texas League. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I started out in this industry similar to a lot of people, um, grew up playing sports, um, absolutely loved baseball. I think it was a really good connection with me and my dad. Uh, he was, he was the assistant softball coach growing up. Um, he was the volunteer coach for every sport that I've played. Um, and so I think it was probably like third or fourth grade that I really started clicking with softball and uh, became a huge baseball fan. They just happened to issue me number 27. And my dad is a diehard Cardinals fan. So that was like around 2004. So you have Scott Rowland and I just became a huge Scott Rowland fan because he's amazing. Um, And so I really started getting into watching Cardinals baseball, which obviously the Cardinals had an incredible team in 2004. And so just kind of started loving the sport then. And my dad was a huge analytical guy. So it kind of just became a thing. And we would sit down every night and watch the Cardinals game. And he would explain to me what was going on. And he would kind of grill me of, okay, if you're playing first and there's two outs, what are we doing next? And that was just me and my dad's relationship. And so uh, I kind of became obsessed with the Cardinals and, then when it came time for me figuring out what I wanted to do with my career, my parents were very much so you you need to have a job that you're passionate about. And at the end of the day, no matter what job you have, it's going to be stressful. You're going to have bad days. So if at the end of the day, you still love what you do, that's going to be kind of the driving force. And so they asked me, well, what do you like to do? What do you, what are your hobbies? And I just was kind of joking with them. I'm like, well, I like watching Cardinals baseball. And they're like, okay, well, what do you think you're good at? And I said, I think I'm pretty good at working with people. And so my parents were like, well, why don't you work in communications for the Cardinals? It's like, I didn't know that was a thing that you could do. Right. Uh, and so that's kind of where it started. And um, obviously tr- the travelers are a little bit further away from the Cardinals, but it's minor league baseball has just, kind of been something that I've grown to love and I've just everybody has been so great to me here in Arkansas and I've obviously gotten an opportunity uh, to be a general manager which is something I would not have thought I'd ever get the opportunity to do at 28 so um, here I am. Yeah you're definitely way ahead of I was a 28 year old freshman after the army so you're way ahead of me. Um, (laughs) I want to go back to the Cardinals a little bit because I fancy myself now a bit of a Cardinals fan because um when they when the Astros moved to the AL, mm-hmm. a buddy of mine decided, okay, we're going to merge and we're going to root for each other's team. But Albert Pujols stole that home run in 05. As much as it didn't matter, just really, really broke my heart. So, so as much as Scott Rowland was the reason why I started being a fan of baseball, um, Albert Pujols is he's everything. Like everybody in this office knows that the only way you can actually make me upset is accuse Albert Pujols of using steroids. That is like a trigger for me. I will go okay. off. It doesn't matter how good of a mood I am in. If anybody says anything bad about Albert Pujols, I just go off on them in the office. So I am a diehard Albert Pujols fan. Oh, I think he's probably the best player of my generation coming up. I mean, I mean, he's played so long. He's everybody's generation, but hundred um, percent. He's what eleven away from seven hundred. Yeah, I'm so nervous. But so that's what made Sunday's game so fun. And we were like watching the Travs, and the Travs were playing a really good game. And then Albert hit two on Sunday, so it was just uh, vintage Albert. I was like crying in my seats while I'm also watching the Travs game. <laughs> do we is this his, is this his last year, or do we think he's going to come back and try to get the seven hundred? <sighs> I think he's done. I mean, competitive Albert, I think if he was like two or three away, he'd be really, really tempted to. But I think with the kind of farewell tour that everybody's giving him right now, it would just be weird if he tried to come back. So I think he's probably done after this year. It's a good thing he's not doing a farewell tour to Houston because the whole city would need Prozac. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you about the role of the GM and maybe explain to our audience how you know, people can maybe ask you, or do people ever ask you when are we going to get a better shortstop? And that's not actually what you have to do. So maybe explain the difference between, between the two roles. Yeah. um, This is a conversation I have very, very often. Um, A lot of times people think, you know, I dictate who's playing, 
who we get at any given time. I have zero say in it any of that. So um, basically the way I describe what I do is I support any and everything with the players once they get here. Um, and I also do anything as far as like ballpark operations and how the business of the Arkansas travelers operate. Um, so I deal more with ticket sales and marketing, um, social media, dealing with our hospitality areas and groups than I do with the players. Uh, really what I do is I'm more of a supporting role for the clubhouse, for the players. So if they need anything, that's my job. I take care of that once they're here. So um, obviously this year with player housing being provided by the major league affiliate, um, that was something I was heavily involved in because obviously Seattle is a long ways from Little Rock. So they don't exactly know the market here as well. So um, I was kind of responsible for scouting out housing. We're fortunate in this area, as I'm sure you saw while you visited, there's a lot of apartment complexes that are really, really close to the ballpark. So that was a really good thing because obviously a big priority for the Mariners was proximity. A lot of these players don't have cars or they don't have cars immediately upon arriving here. So they wanted something that they could walk to the ballpark or we could get them a bike and they could bike to the ballpark or it was a very short Uber or scooter ride. (laughs) Scooters are really popular. Um, So that's a lot of what I did this off season, but it was a very weird year to be in your first year as a GM because so much changed this off season. Um, I was talking to a lot of the other GMs in the Texas league and they were talking about, you know, they've been doing this for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And this has been the most difficult off season as a transition because just so much was different with the player housing and um, with major league baseball being a lot more involved. So I think I came in at a good time. I think if I would have come in a year earlier, I, everything I would have learned that first year would have been completely different the next year. So right. I think it's a good off season for me to come in and kind of be learning the role. And you're not stuck in your own, you're not stuck in your ways. Like you can be. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It was kind of like, I got trained a little bit from our previous GM. Um, but he was basically like, I think everything's going to change next year. So <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> like, don't worry speak, about this. <laughs> I want to speak to the player housing thing, because obviously it's something that we've advocated for on this show a couple of teams had already been doing it. Um, what are some of the difficulties, especially knowing that a lot of times these players are are not going to be with you guys forever? So I think, is that part of the challenge of finding where they can live month to month or, or flexible leases, I guess? I think the flexible leases is probably the most difficult part because, I mean, if you think about anybody trying to go out and find a place to live, most of the time you're going to need to sign a year lease. You might find a few places that are going to be able to be flexible and do a six-month lease, maybe a nine-month lease. Well, depending on how the season was structured, sometimes they'd be here for five months, sometimes they'd be here for seven months. Then you have the way the schedule used to work of we were done on Labor Day which Labor Day could be September 1st. It could be September 6th or 7th. So their lease is up in August. So then that like week, they were just kind of floating. Sometimes they would be living in a hotel. They'd be crashing in Airbnbs and they would be booking it day to day or they would only be able to book it for six days. And then, oh crap, we make the playoffs on the final day of the season. Where am I staying? Um, so it was a lot of stress. In the clubhouse, trying to hide. <laughs> exactly. And you'd have some guys that were like, can I just sleep in the clubhouse? <laughs> um, so it was just wild. And when you think about that with our jobs, if we were to have a lot of uncertainty surrounding our home and being able to go home and just sleep in a bed every night, can you imagine how we would perform at our job the next day and how exhausting that would be? Well, these players have obviously a very physical job. So it's just, um, it's crazy to think that they went through that as long as they did. And obviously so exciting to be able to provide housing for and just kind of take that element out of the stress levels that they have. Baseball is already stressful enough. Um, So being able to provide consistent housing for them and nice places for them to stay. I I really do think the sport is going to see that in the long term, especially in minor league baseball. And to me, it's a no brainer. If you draft a guy, if you give him a bonus, if you're, why would you not want him to put him in the best situation instead of living six people in a two bedroom apart, eating peanut butter out of a jar? I don't shocking. He didn't make it to be your starting shortstop. (laughs) Um, You know, you talked about the major league baseball involvement and we, I'll, I'll be honest. So, our show kind of got big because we were some of the first people on the contraction story. Um, we were having Congress people on, we, we really were involved. I'll be honest and say it definitely has turned out better than I had expected. Like I was very doom and gloom about it. How has the relationship been with the Travs and major league baseball and the Mariners as well? I know it's three different people, 
do you still like you can can you guys still be you or do you feel like there's a little bit more uh that you have to get cleared through the through the uh through the league so there's definitely more than we have to get cleared through the league than in prior years but i would say we were rare in the sense that we we don't have like an ownership group um that we were reporting to whereas i think a lot of other teams that were either owned by their major league affiliate or had some sort of ownership group i think it's pretty similar to how they used to operate so i think we probably have the biggest difference of as far as like approval processes go um because we aren't owned by the mariners because we don't have like an ownership group that we're reporting to so we probably had more of an adjustment than a lot of other teams did that makes sense Oh, completely. Yeah. And, and again, like I understand some of it and, and I know one of the big complaints around minor league baseball from a sort of fan content creator perspective has been the homogeneity of like the, the, the uh, defenders of the diamond, like everybody kind of all looks the same for the Marvel thing, but that's year one year two might be completely different. You know, I think, I think some time to give them the benefit of the doubt for a while, I think in that perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously, anytime you make a huge adjustment like this, there's going to be growing pains. Uh, but there's also benefits to it, too. I think it has been the communication has been a lot more streamlined, which I, I appreciate, um, especially as a new GM coming into a league where a lot of the GMs are, you know, they're veteran guys who have been doing this for a long time. Um, the communication, they've made it so much easier for um, just as far as like, for example, I can't get into the visiting manager's office without walking through the locker room, which at any given time, I can't really walk through. So they streamlined the process of communication of like getting us all that contact information beforehand. Like that was required by Major League Baseball to get all that contact information out to the GMs beforehand. Whereas in the past, it was just kind of like a, okay, you probably need to shoot the GM a note and try to get these guys numbers. And it's like, I don't even have to bother the GMs anymore. I can just directly reach out to the manager so I can start forming a relationship with them because that is important when all these guys are coming through. Sure. Um, so things like that have been streamlined to make it a lot more easier or easier for everybody. Um, but yes, the approval processes, it has been an adjustment. Um, but looking forward to see what comes in the future. Um, I want to talk to talk about the fact that you are a woman in a major you're in, in a professional sport forward thinking for are forward looking as far as being the, the, the face of the franchise in a lot of ways. Um, do you are you aware of sort of the responsibility that like now little girls are going to see you doing your thing at the ballpark and maybe be inspired to be the next you or is that some is that something you think about or are you maybe not every day? I try really hard not to think about it (laughs) Um, just because I think if I do put that pressure on myself, I mean, it just contradicts how I got to this position. You know, I got to this position, not making excuses for myself. It was just, I'm a person in the industry trying to get the highest position possible um, and working towards that, that highest position. And so I, I never was like, Oh, I'm a female trying to be a GM or I'm a female trying to get promoted. I, I never thought of it that way. Okay. Um, I just always tried to approach it of, am I the best person for the job? Take male or female out of it. Am I the best person for the job? Um, and I think when you approach things that way, you won't make excuses for yourself. You'll just keep working hard, put your head down, do your work, um, constantly strive to get better and you'll get there. But it's like, now that you're here, and there is this pressure with it of, oh, you are a female. You're the only female in the t- Texas League. That's the general manager. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on the younger side. So obviously it's something that I think about. I second guess myself. Um, but you just kind of have to put your head down and, and try to not think about that. Yeah. Uh, you just try to do your job, which is what I've always tried to do. When you interact with the other GMs, what do you think is the is the bigger disconnect with them? Is it an age or a gender thing? Honestly, I think it's an age. Oh, we've got figured. Because, yeah. Because so many of the GMs, I mean, like you have Tulsa's GM who, I mean, he's been a GM for 25 years. Like I'm 28. He's been almost a GM <laughs> longer than I have been alive. He so, probably likes, uh, he likes it when you point that out too, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I honestly think it's probably the age thing just because, I mean, even this last year, there are just so many more females in the industry in higher up roles than I've ever seen. Um, so I really do think we're starting to see it transition. It still needs to get a lot better, but it's a lot better than whenever I started in this industry. Um, I remember, I think I was like a sophomore or junior in college and I went to this 
think it was called Breaking Into Sports Networking Event, and it was hosted by the Nashville Predators. And so I went there and I showed up with this other girl that I was friends with at college. And we got to this convention and there were probably 500 kids there. I've never seen more suits in my entire life. It was I think maybe five females were there. Wow. Okay. And this is, I think that was the first moment I realized, oh, like I knew this was male dominated, but holy moly, this is, a, <laughs> this is a lot of dudes. Um, <laughs> and, and so every time I see, I mean, we have a female trainer, an assistant female trainer, a female video intern. We have a female roving coach. Um, when Amarillo comes to town, they have a female first base coach. So every time I see all these women that are in the sport, I'm like, man, we've come so far. We saw so much further to go, yeah. but we've come a lot further, a lot faster than I thought we would. You know, and you've got Rachel Balkovic doing what she's doing with the Yankees. And um, we used to have Melanie Nyman on our show all the time until she became the voice of the Orioles and got too big for us. But it's a, it's a <laughs> thing. All right. We're going to play a little pepper. Okay. Clear your mind. Oh, boy. What is your go-to ballpark food? I love a smoked sausage. Okay. Uh, Marvel or DC? I mean, I grew up like hardcore DC, but like DC just hasn't been able to compete with Marvel in the last. As a DC guy, I completely agree. Uh, it's it's almost like, how can you not get this right? They just did a movie with a talking raccoon and it worked. So I don't. Correct. I was uh, like, I watched Smallville. I was such a Superman okay. fan, but I, I think I'm a Marvel girl now. Yeah, I get it. Um, what is your favorite team brand in, base, in minor league baseball that's not the Arkansas Travelers? I think I like the trash pandas. That I I think uniform. I should do a poll at, at the end of this season to see how many people said the trash pandas. I bet it's twenty percent at least. I love there's I love the travelers logo. I think it's a very classic, good looking logo. So I have to go with like a weird one because we have such a classic one. Well, and I think it's what's cool about the sport is you can really and, and I'm going to talk about in the episode how. Yeah, you can be fun and weird like the sod poodles, but but you guys in like the hooks. It's a very kind of classic look, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think I think I love that the sport can sustain both of those things. Agreed. Um, what is the first time baseball broke your heart? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, this sounds like such a Cardinals fan. Um, I'm still upset in 2006 that Albert Pujols didn't win MVP and Ryan Howard didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I would have. Like, he won the World Series. He struck out, I think, a third of the times that Ryan Howard did. I, I'm still so upset about this. Um, you are upset, but I love that, yeah. But, yeah, I'm still really upset that Albert Pujols didn't win MVP that year. I think especially retroactively when you see how long Pujols has had sustained success. Like, when he went to the Angels and the Astros went to the AL, again, the whole city just got nervous. Um, <laughs> As they should, I get it. Why does he hate us? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Star Wars or Harry Potter? Neither. <laughs> okay. I am okay. a weirdo. Yeah. I Hunger Games. That's probably my one like sci-fi. It's not even very sci-fi, but that's probably the one I watch the most. Okay. Kevin Costner as a cowboy or a ball player? Oh, ball player. Definitely. Look, I would say ball player as well, but I like to point out to people he did win an Oscar playing a cowboy. I'm just yes. saying, yeah. you know. Although Dances with Wolves is not the, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. When you go to a new ballpark, where is your favorite spot to sit? Um, I love sitting in the bleachers. That's okay. where like, I love sitting in the outfield. I love sitting in the bleachers. I think that's where the most fun people are. And when I come to a ballpark, I want like a hot dog or a brat and I want to drink 10 beers. Like that's what I want to do when I go to a ball game. And there's no better place to do that than the outfield bleacher seats at a ballpark. Okay. And last question. It's February. You're missing baseball. What is your go-to baseball movie? Okay, my answer is weird for this one. Um, I really like the movie 61. Okay. Well, it's depressing. I wouldn't say it, weird. It is. I don't know. I love it so much because I think it's so genuine. It, it's such a realistic look at what it is like to be a baseball player. Um, they they cuss a lot. Like I think that's what I like about it. it it's not just sunshine and rainbows all the time it's very authentic it's very raw i also love billy crystal and i think he directed that so it's just yeah I he, love yeah he did and and what i love about that is he's a yankee fan so he definitely put like heart into that and i think it was hbo's first sort of made for cable movie i mean now that's all we have so yeah yeah trend, trend center there 
All right, yeah. Sophie, thank you so much for jumping on Let's Get To You. Uh, best of luck for the travelers the rest of the way and, and next season. And I think we're going to get out again next year. So I can't wait to see you again. Oh my gosh, you come back anytime. We'll be happy to have you. Show me the merch, fashion, baseball style. Presented by the Baseball by Design podcast. And welcome back to Show Me the Merch, brought to you by the good folks at Baseball by Design podcast. I'm coming to you from outside the apparel and souvenir shop at Dickie Stevens Ballpark, home of your Arkansas Travelers. Guys, I've already done the shopping. The wallet's already hurting. Let's check out some of what they have to offer here in Arkansas. Now, there are a lot of ways you can do merch and branding in the minors. You can be goofy. You can be classy. And I'd argue that there's only one wrong way to do it, and that's to share the team name with the parent club. Looking at you, Braves, Cubs, and Cardinals out there. The Arkansas Travelers lean heavily into a classic historical look befitting the nature of the team. The red and black combo always works well and it stands out on a myriad of hats, shirts, and jerseys. Their Copa brand, the Diamantes de Arkansas, features a bold red and green combo that stands out in a crowd. It was super cool to see so many fans embracing it. Now baseball's a game and games are supposed to be fun. Magnum PI said that. And the Arkansas Travelers keep it fun and you can tell just by taking a look inside the Travelers Crossing team store. So again, guys, make sure that you're getting out to the Arkansas Travelers to get your Travelers gear, either here or online. But remember, get it straight from the Travelers and not from a third party. We want to support these small businesses in towns like Little Rock that are doing the Lord's work as much as we can. Swaller, a chug of ballpark brew, presented by the Hitter Sports. And we're back here on Holler and a Swaller. Scott, this is our last game live together this year. Sad face. Sad face. Very sad face about that, but you know. Well, we're, drink we're drinking an amazing local beer. First of all, I got the Stones Throw Riverdale Pale Ale. Correct, yeah, Stone's Throw Brewery right across the river in Little Rock over by the Clinton. A Stone's Clinton. Throw, it's not just a clever name. It's a Stone's Throw from the Clinton Presidential Center. Uh, I am drinking a Flyway Blue Wing. Flyway is literally less than half a mile here in North Little Rock. There's a couple of other, you know, if there were four of us, we'd also have something from Lost 40 and Diamond Bear also. Uh, there's great beer in Little Rock. There's really great beer in Little and Rock. And there's great beer at the ballpark. Oh, absolutely. One of the cool things that I noticed, and we've talked on this show a bunch, is that this show is about community. It's about the, the how minor league baseball drives a community. And local beer, local alcohol reflects that. And seeing a lot of it available at the ballpark and not just curse is a good thing. Yeah, and one of the, the historical things about uh, Arkansas, the Arkansas Travelers, from back in the days of Ray Winderfield where they started playing in 33 up until about 15 years ago, uh, there was Hook Slide, and, and Hook Slide was a fan who, who was homeless, and he sat up in the stands, but he would throw a popcorn box down flat on the concrete and tell people, I'll do a Hook Slide for a beer. And so people would start chanting, Hook Slide, Hook Slide, Hook, hook Slide. slide. And so now, uh, as you can see, the uh, the beer garden is is dedicated in Hook Slide's honor for Hook Slide Corner. But he would slide in. You'd either give him a dollar or a beer, man. It was those were fun days back at Ray Wendell. I, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because, again, this is uh, as we heard from Steve earlier in the show, the longest continuous member of the Texas League, which means almost a hundred years of history. Yep. The idea to kind of formalize the hook. I mean, I bought a I bought a Hook Slide T-shirt. Like they <laughs> really it. did formalize this as part of. Now what you do when you see a baseball game in Little Rock. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's tradition, and it's a long time. When when they moved from Ray Winder, which was an old stadium that hadn't had a lot of work done, a WPA project yeah. or something like that, uh, it was that time. But um, moving over here was a big deal to the people in Little Rock because 
wait, you're, you're sending us to North Little Rock, and why are we moving things out of this area? And it's just, you know, it's one of the changes that happens in the world. And, and also, 15 years ago, we weren't seeing a lot of modern ball, ballparks being built for minor league teams. It was just becoming a you're, trend. Yeah, you're no, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. And, and it was really just recycle. Even if you're changing teams, you're yeah, recycling the same ballpark. That's right. Instead of, you know, and the area around this is full of restaurants and bars and breweries. I mean, it's really a center for this area. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's plenty of parking. You can come to a ball game. You can park anywhere around here. You can find a restaurant. You can find a hotel. Heck, our, our you know, the, the place we're staying is literally we can look a at it right now across the throw. river. Uh, yeah, it's just it's Little Rock has some has some great charm. Uh, you know, I'm not just saying that because I'm a native of here, but it, it really it really does have some charm. And, and the ballpark is a cool place to come out and watch a game. I have I fell in love with it from I mean I've been gushing about this place but but the thing that's really made it is every single usher every single employee hey thanks for coming out how are you doing can I help sometimes you guys when we're making this show we get a lot of weird looks we are afraid we're going to get tackled in the outfield this has been an entire group of people that want to help us get the show made but also want us to have a good time as fans absolutely uh, also Jim's left it out but one of the big reasons he's a big fan of this place too dizzy dizzy oh. the do- dizzy the dog is awesome dizzy is great dizzy uh gave me a fist bump i'm gonna use that video footage right now if i remember to put it in i got a fist bump too uh, off of dizzy you can throw that in if you want to but uh, if, if you come out to a game at dickie stevens park in little rock and you don't meet dizzy you did something wrong dizzy's owner's a great guy too i mean there's just yeah there's good people here they're really good people and it's a really great place to watch a ballpark and I saw it last night, and I see it tonight. It's a pretty doggone good crowd for mid-August, and the kids are going back to school Absolutely. On so like we said, this is your last one with Let's Get To You that you're out for. For this year. For this year. This is our – we have two more after this. Looking at the horizon, because we've already got 2023 kind of mapped. What are you looking forward to getting out there for that? Oh, man, just seeing new ballparks I haven't seen. Is there any one in particular we've thought about, we've talked about? I, I, I can't I can't really put my finger on, on anything just yet. Now – you know, we we've talked about the the Tennessee trip, yeah. And, and AutoZone Park is is I like downtown ballparks. I'm finding out I really do. Yeah. Uh, it's because it's not a common feel. It's it's really not. We saw a little bit of it in Bowling Green. You see it somewhat here. You see that in, in yeah. Memphis as well. Been to AutoZone Park before, but I really like what what they do for the fans there at AutoZone as well. So and it, and it's a Cardinals Triple A affiliate. So and we're gonna be hurt. with Andy Tom Cheston, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited knock for out his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> and he's not been very nice uh, to us while we've been here. And I'm obviously excited about Alaska. I'm excited about yeah. Canada. I'm excited about Norfolk, Virginia. So, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to you getting go, getting to go to Alaska. That's going to be a great time. That's the one trip I'm looking forward to. Most. <laughs> yeah, the, most. the one I'm not taking. Omaha as well. I'm really looking forward to going yeah. over to Omaha. Well, just it, because next, of what it means. Next year's going to be our fifth year. Yep. Uh, we're going to celebrate it all year long. Correct. And that's why we're going to Omaha to celebrate with Marty and that, those groups out there. So, I mean, I, and here's to season four. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of it kind of feels good that we're closing out in the Texas League because when we first thought up the show, yeah, we were at a Texas League park, and it was about 20 degrees hotter. So this is much. much it was much better. miserable that day. It was by the way, go Drillers! All right, holler and swallow. Holler baby. and swallow. spill it all over me and now on to close it out the right-hander from houston texas james christopher so that does wrap up this episode of let's get to we have had a great time at dickie stevens park home of your arkansas travelers as you can see uh, looking pretty good in the uh, red black and gray We've had a great time out here today. This has been a bittersweet game because this is the last one that Scott and I will do together. Uh, the fourth season is winding down from a getting up to the ballpark standpoint, and it's just been so much fun. It's been life-changing for me. So I just want to thank all of our viewers, all of our listeners, all of our followers for supporting us. This is the first of many thank yous, so get used to it. Start thinking about the 2023 baseball season now. Start planning things, because when you get out to the ballpark, you're going to get to get you some peanuts, some Cracker Jacks, but most importantly, Let's Get To. Let's Get To is presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Creative Director, Jessica Bybee-Jedgetts. Executive Producers, James Christopher, Andy Tom Chesson, and Scott McIntyre. Produced by Andrew Nelson and Eric Mertens. 
Associate Producers Timothy Jedgetts and Jess Canaster. Music by Andy Bertelson, Grace Usselman, and On Holiday. All content created by Let's Get To is the sole property of Twitchy Dolphin Media. All content created by teams covered in the episode are the sole property of the trademark holders. Let's Get To is a proud member of the Curved Brim Media Network. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, I'm James Christopher, host of Let's Get Two, and we are going to be taking you on a tour of this great country through the lens of minor league baseball. That's right, from sea to shining sea, we're going to be looking at towns big and small as we explore the greatest game ever invented. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series, and in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. And I'm Paul Caputo. I tell the story of America, one minor league baseball logo and nickname at a time on the Baseball by Design podcast. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.